Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Regrets collect like old friends Here to relive your darkest moments I can see no eye, I can see no eye And all of the ghouls come out to play And every demon wants his pound of flesh But I'd like to keep some things to myself I'd like to keep my shoes drawn Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. This is six big questions for deeply feeling people. And um, it's it's been some deep feeling. So let's dive right in. First, I've been sort of wily and haven't actually put out anything brand new that's just me talking to you in real time for about 10 weeks now. Uh, there were interviews and I put out the entirety of M School and uh, I wanted to keep bringing you stuff weekly, but I also had this really, 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 really huge problem, which was that I lost words for a while. And I can do my best to try and hide that or try to be like, that's no big deal. But physically, my brain, I could feel that there were spaces between words. I started to, in some cases, reverse words or to spell things wrong or to um, omit words. So if it was like, that's on the table, be like, that's on table or that's the table, like missing words and just feeling the gaps between words. And um, the horror of that was like, I can't attempt to create anything really new, really wonderful, really amazing, really anything beneficial until I can figure out how to get my words back. Which brings me to these six big questions and how do we navigate really, really difficult things uh, in the world, in ourselves, in our lives, and how do we discern between what is actually something we can't fix and something that is completely within our control to fix. So losing the words is one of the most terrifying things that's ever happened. Um, and I absolutely perceived that uh, my thyroid just going crazy and causing this brain fog that was really, really intense 
I perceived that as real helplessness. Like there was nothing I can do here. There is, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to turn. Uh, I was having thyroid issues. I gained 20 pounds in four weeks. That was late fall last year. And I was like, okay, so I have no metabolism and I have, I don't have a brain that's functioning. My, my words are going and um, that's how I make my living. And I don't actually know what's going to happen, but I know that my life minus the ability to write and to speak really, really well, which is what I do for a living, <laughs> my life would not look the same without that. So there was a sense of despair of, I don't know what to do. I went to the doctor and the doctor was like, well, you just go on a medication and you stay on it for the rest of your life. And I said, are there any dietary changes that I could make instead? No. Is there anything I can do other than go on this medication? No. When would I come off of this medication? Well, you don't. Okay, that's not going to do. So that's when my feeling that this was real helplessness, there was nothing I could do, changed to, but maybe there is something I could do. Maybe there's somebody out there who can help me and maybe I don't have to go on this medication. So I went to a doctor who helped me to find supplements. We did supplements and acupuncture and movement prescriptions and really significant dietary changes like no gluten, no yeast, no sugar, no dairy, no vinegar, no uh, fermented foods, like, and not to lose weight, but just to be like, where can we, if we eliminate some things, are those the things that are going to allow the brain fog to go away? And the answer is yes, the brain fog went away. I have words. I have way more energy, about 60 to 70% more than when I went in there. I can do things again. I've lost like four whole pounds, which compared to gaining 20 pounds is the most amazing thing. Um, and so that sense of their, of real helplessness, which is, I don't know what's going on. I have no control over my body. I don't I, I have any way to make sense of this. And perceived helplessness, which is like, oh, there might be a way and my brain's just being an asshole about it. So the first question for deeply feeling people trying to navigate the world, which is sort of insano right now, is, is this real or perceived helplessness? Because real helplessness means there's nothing, truly nothing you can do. And perceived helplessness is, I know my asshole brain is going to jump in and say there's nothing I can do, but is there anything, even if it's tiny, 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 is there anything I can do to make a change here? And then the second thing involves trauma. So I wasn't going to talk about this. That's what I said at breakfast this morning. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to talk about this by the time I'm writing this afternoon. Um, on Friday, I was supposed to go to another breathwork training because, you know, show your work. I go to breathwork, I get trained, I do things, and then I'm having a live breathwork on Thursday and I'm doing all the things, right? Um, on Friday, I got up at 3.30 in the morning. I was at the airport by four, fly to um, California. I was in California. I was at baggage claim the, and the phone rings. Bear calls. Um, there's been some sort of incident. Neville, the 12-week-old puppy, is at the vet, is in really bad shape, has been seizing uncontrollably. Uh, his eyes are not responding to light. He's not presenting as normal. He's, uh, he's not having any normal puppy affectations. He's basically like at death's door. He doesn't say he's at death's door, but energetically, like we're pretty tired. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to come home. So within 20 minutes, I'm back upstairs buying a ticket crying with the American Airlines, very lovely lady who helped me get a new ticket back home after being in LA for 20 minutes. 
And then I sat in the airport while my gate was moved and my flight was delayed for just, I was there for eight hours, just like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. That is a real helplessness. First off, when you were thousands of miles from a sick and potentially dying puppy, person, individual, group of people, whatever, and it's someone that you deeply care for, that's helplessness. And that's also an individual trauma. So that's not like Neville's death is not going to affect the vast majority of people in the world. It's an individual trauma. Just just articulating this is helpful. So one of the first rules for is this individual or collective trauma that I'm experiencing is you do not have to care for these big, deep, hard issues while you are dead center in the midst of individual trauma. So when I'm in the ICU holding a puppy, it is not also my job to be founding a new nonprofit or whatever it is before you. Your resources should be used to focus on any life-threatening dangers before you and to take as, as much care of yourself as humanly possible, right? I hope we can agree here. There's real and perceived helplessness and there is individual and collective drama. And when we can be clear about what we're experiencing, it gives us permission to do things. Like if you are experiencing real helplessness and or individual trauma, you are at the moment not on the hook for a bunch of things that the rest of us are on the hook for. Because guess what? He got better. I flew home. He got better. Neville's home. Neville's sleeping on the floor. Neville is, they don't know what happened, but he's made a complete and utter recovery. And the vet says that it's a miracle. Like she used those words. So I'm down. I'm with it. And I'm no longer in trauma. I have literally taken a video of him breathing today because it's just so exciting. But, uh, but I can move back to being in my usual state, which is not being in trauma. And then there's collective trauma. In the United States, the situation at the border is collective trauma, make no mistake. But it is also only perceived helplessness because we can do things. We are moving things forward. We are protesting. We are making calls. We are donating to organizations. We are raising our voices to say, no, 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 not this time. This is not happening. So anytime you want to enter into any sort of like big feeling, but especially any sort of taking on a problem, a challenge or an issue, is this real or perceived helplessness, which can drown you if you let it? And is this individual or collective trauma? Helplessness is traumatic. Life and death situations are traumatic and they should be respected. But if you are not currently in individual trauma, then we can talk about how do we move forward as world changers and as feelers. So this is question number three. Can I let myself feel this? And it's horrible what you feel when you tap into a big collective trauma like this. Can I let myself feel this and then choose to take action? I wrote a book years ago called Change the World, Damn It, and it was based on this premise that we can plan, pursue, and profit from world-changing projects. And I say profit from because if we decide that we are going to have an amazing, wonderful, take over our lives size project, and we decide that we are not going to profit from that, then we're naturally going to spread ourselves really thin. Because if 100% of our time goes to a thing that's making zero dollars, and we need to make dollars in order to support our lives, our families, then we are spreading ourselves too thin. So I'm all about, if you have a world-changing project, yes, profit from it. Let it take care of you and let it also take care of the world. It's not an or, it's an and. It can do both. So if you want to have a bake sale, awesome. If you want to start a global nonprofit, awesome. See how there's a big difference between those two? <laughs> 
If you want to fly to Texas and be boots on the ground because you happen to be a bilingual paralegal and you actually have the skills needed to move the needle forward, because I certainly don't, amazing. I support you. Can you let yourself feel what you're feeling and then choose to take action? Feeling what you're feeling is really, really difficult. I know this. My heart feels like it's too big most of the time. It aches for all sorts of causes and issues. And I'm only one human, right? That's just the way it is. So if your heart aches and I can in some way inspire you to move in the direction of that ache instead of shutting it down and then to do something to help lessen that ache that we feel at the collective level, then by all means, take it. So Change the World, Damn It is a book that's completely free at kristenkelp.com. If you join the list, the Fuck Yeah Club, from anywhere at all, from below an individual post, from start here, from don't click here in the menu, fantastic, great, you'll get it for free, and it might do some real good to help you feel like you can, in fact, make a difference here. Question number four, what's one action I can take to help move the ball forward? So it's easy to slip into overwhelm, especially when we're having these really big feels and especially when new audio and new videos and new executive orders are coming out. And here's the deal. You are not responsible for moving all the balls in the world forward. You are not responsible for 1% of the world's balls or even 0.01%. But what if you can take the balls you find in your home? So these these places where you feel hurt and anger, and also these places where you can see a better world, where you can feel aspirations. What if you take those and then do something with them? That means that in your business, you might donate a percentage of proceeds to a nonprofit. And I'm talking as small as 1% to as big as an event that gives 50 to 100%. You might volunteer for one hour a week or one hour a month or a one-time thing with a local organization. You might pay attention to the news instead of opting out because the news makes you feel helpless, but it is only perceived helplessness. And opting out is privilege. Opting out is less painful for the short term and more painful for the world for the long term because we need you. You might feel exactly what you're feeling instead of covering it with pizza or sugar or Netflix or sleep or all four. That is an incredible act to just feel what you're feeling. Most people don't do that. You might take exquisite care of yourself so that you are not too tired to engage in tough conversations and to help fix complicated problems. You only have to do one thing, but that one thing will make you feel better. It will shift you out of helplessness. It will help heal the collective trauma and it will make a difference. Question number five, where would I most like to see movement? Maybe the immigration issues at the border are too painful. They're simply too painful or they don't have you riled up or you're like, yeah, whatever. I don't have time for that shit. So what does get you upset? What makes you feel like your heart will explode with the hurt or the pain or the aching or the ability to see a better way? What strikes you as absolutely backwards, wrong or deplorable in your day to day life? Start there. And if you don't have an answer to where you would like to see movement, then start to pay attention. My sense is that it's really, really difficult to pay attention and to not look away. And that the more you feel, the harder it is to pay attention. I totally get it. But this is sort of the master question. And I think it's really important to note 
Question number six is the master question. Thank you for sticking around because this is really fucking important. This is how can I get bigger? Yes, it's a strange question, but here's the deal. I spent a lot of years trying to contain myself in some fashion. And when I say a lot of years, I mean like 34, 34 of them. <laughs> I was really sure that I was too big. I was too much. I was too loud. I felt too much. I was too messy. And in some cases I was too intimidating because when I get angry, I get really fucking angry. I spent decades trying to contain myself in some way to keep it all under wraps and by it I mean my emotions and cry quietly by myself in my bed when I felt that I would implode. If there was someone here like my husband at the time uh, I would go to the shower and cry because no one can hear you cry in the shower. That's the rule. Okay so I was try actively trying to get smaller and rein myself in. Now picture for a moment a kitten and an elephant. And if I've said this before on the podcast, just deal with it because it's awesome and it bears repeating. And if I haven't, then ignore that. So think of how, when you picture a kitten in your mind, think of how tiny and vulnerable and absolutely helpless, helpless a kitten is for the first few weeks of its life. Okay. Absolute real helplessness there. Now picture a person kicking that kitten. Okay, so you're automatically like, one, that person is a sociopath, and two, oh my god, they've done such immense damage. That is the surface area of a foot compared to a kitten is just absurd, and they've done huge damage there. Now, picture an elephant. So we have this big, giant, multi-thousand-pound creature, right? Picture that same person kicking an elephant. And suddenly, you don't feel empathy for the elephant, or at least I don't, I feel empathy for the human because that elephant is definitely not hurt. And now that human is in danger. It is at risk of being stomped, kicked, or crushed at any given moment. That same kick, there's the same amount of force. It's the same person, same foot, same everything. When it's done to a kitten, it's a deplorable act. When it's done to an elephant, it's almost laughable because that elephant is not hurt. And that human is in some serious trouble at this point. So I would argue that we, as humans, need to become energetic elephants. The bigger we get energetically, the less likely we are to recede into our own interiors, and the less likely we are to give up our opinions, our dreams, our desires, or our voices. So it seems to me as if the world desperately wants for us to be small. Like if you'll fit in a mason jar, great. Can we get you into a baby food jar? Great. Can we get you into a thimble? Great. Can we get you into some sort of microscopic like slide situation, right? The whole point of the world and of the people in power that want to remain in power that are not good is to make us smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But we don't have to do that. We can choose to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. If you live in a mason jar, upgrade to a very, very large Tupperware. I don't know what to tell you. We can get bigger bit by bit by bit by bit. We will still feel things. But a single vicious act that can kill a kitten will only stop an elephant for a few seconds, if that. And you want to become an elephant, I promise. The darkest forces in the world count on the sensitive ones, and that's us, and the feeling people being kittens. They count on us staying small and weak. They count on us fearing that taking up space is going to kill us or bring harm upon us. In reality, getting bigger energetically means we expand our capacity to feel, to heal, to help, to speak up, and to make a better world. Kittens do not make better worlds. 
aside from the fact they're really cute on YouTube. Energetic kittens stay home and they're small and they're crushed and they don't use their voices or even believe that they have one. So to begin to make that movement, that's a long, 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 long movement to go from kitten to elephant. And I would argue that there are only a few real elephants in the world, like, like the Dalai Lama is an elephant. Like you have seen some shit. The entirety of China is in fact your enemy. And you're like, yes, I'm gonna teach you about joy. That's an elephant for you, right? So how do you begin to move from kitten to elephant? And we're all somewhere on that spectrum, I would argue. First, you pay close attention to where you recede and to how frequently you recede. To be even more specific, where do you hold back? Where do you hold yourself in? Where do you prevent your own expansion? And that might be that you don't let yourself speak. It might be that you acquiesce to someone who's speaking even though you don't actually believe anything they're saying. It might be that you prevent your own expansion because you are dying to take that class or make that thing or move in that direction and you don't. On the other side of that, where are you careful to be bland, compliant, non-controversial, quote unquote professional, or just unremarkable, like you just want to blend in, where are you doing that? Because that is making yourself a kitten or at least actively preventing your growth. In other words, where does your soul have muffin top? Your soul has muffin top anytime. So muffin top, if you're not familiar, is when you wear pants that are too tight and then your fat that's around your belly, should you have any, I certainly do, has nowhere to go so it just sort of gets squeezed out over the top of your pants. And it's just really awkward and uncomfortable for everyone. Like it, it's physically hurts. You do not have muffin top if you're wearing pants that fit. It's when you wear pants that are too small and then everything just sort of squeezes out and it's terrible. It's, you're trying to contain too much in a container that's too small. Your soul has muffin top anytime you feel urgently and deeply, but do not either explore it internally or express it externally. Anytime you wish to make art, but don't. Anytime you wish to volunteer or donate or make a new thing, but don't. Anytime that you want to speak out, but don't. Anytime you want to admit you care, but you remain silent. So this can be as small as refusing to wear your favorite clothes because you're saving them for an unknown time, or as big as quote unquote dreaming of making a class for years, but never actually bringing it to life. And I would argue that that's the more deadly form, that, that soul muffin top that allows you to dream, but doesn't allow you to move forward into the place where you, you make your dreams come true or you give them a shot even if they fail miserably, that's actually really dangerous for all of us. The world does not need more people with muffin-topped souls. Phones down, eyes up. We need expansion. We need bigness and vitality, bravery and guts and new ways of being. We need voices for everyone and microphones for the wisest among us. We need to care and say we care and keep saying it. Caring is not an act of weakness. Bones down, hearts up. We need your aliveness, every last drop of it. And we need you to share it with us without holding back a single atom of the change you sense could happen if only. We need you to become the if only so we can become it too. So yeah, that was a poem called The World Does Not Need More People with Muffin Top Souls. A quick review of the questions in case you're like, what the fuck is going on? So deeply feeling people, one, is this real or perceived helplessness? The world wins 
when you believe you're in real helplessness and it's only perceived. And again, to be clear, sometimes it is real helplessness. Sometimes there is nothing you can do. But often, particularly in the case of politics, it is perceived helplessness and we can always do something. Two, is this individual or collective trauma? Individual trauma has very different things that you need to worry about than collective trauma. Three, can I let myself feel this and then choose to take action? And that's different from which action should I take? That's just, can I let myself feel this? That's being willing to enter into it. Four, what's one action I can take to help move the ball forward? And if you're not sure, where would I most like to see movement? And then finally, question number six, the biggest question, the ultimate question, how can I get bigger? And that's just looking into where are you holding yourself back? Where are you half-stepping? Where are you like, eh, I'm sort of in, sort of out? Where are you not fully committed to your own aliveness? Those are really cool things to ponder. And I'm actually not sure this has made any sense at all, just so you know. I tried to organize it in some way. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's doing what I want it to do. So let me know. And um, my answer to what can I do to move the ball forward is a sale in which 50% of the proceeds are donated to for two four are donated to Together Rising. So Together Rising is a nonprofit organization that is boots on the ground um, for the immigrant situation at the moment and for all of the crisis that's happening there. Um, and just as I said before. Um, I want to sell a shit ton of things and give Together Rising so much money. And also, I have tremendously huge The Dog Almost Died vet bills. And so I'm not giving 100% because I still made the things I still deserve to be compensated for them. And I want to move a bunch of money forward for Together Rising. So this is me saying that I have a boundary here. And I would love to say that like I have so much fucking money and that all of my money is going to Together Rising. And at this moment in time, that is not the case. So it's a 50% sale. And if you want to shame me, then where is your 50% or more sale? And I will listen. But otherwise, that's how it is for right now. See how I'm responding to the critics in my head? Because my brain is an asshole. Okay, so 50% off. I'm sorry, 50% of proceeds go to Together Rising. I'm also having a sale. So if you like that poem, other poems are in All the Selves I Used to Be, which is 20% off. So it's $13.35. Uh, three other books for your business. We have Calling to the Deep, which is my fucking favorite. Um, it is business as a spiritual practice. It is taking you deep into the heart of your business, into the heart of what you want, into the heart of what you're capable of. That's 20% off. It's $15.75. We have Introverts at Work, which is marketing and selling for quiet humans, quiet with a capital Q. So if you're an introvert and you have a business, it could be a miracle for you. It's $15.75. Go Your Own Way, Free Yourself from Business as Usual is like the heart-stomping, heart-stirring 101 of how do I make a business that doesn't look like everyone else's? How do I begin to move toward a business that looks and feels like me and not like a copy of someone else that I really admire? That is 60% off and that's $15.75. And then there are bonuses. So if you want to do space and space has been doing amazing things for people, people are writing like they're writing books and they've unsubscribed from over 40 emails and they can't believe how little time they spend on their phone, like from multiple hours a day to seven minutes. 
Um, just huge, huge progress in terms of making space between you and your phone, you and your screen, so that you can actually enjoy life instead of just going into scroll time. That is uh, $69 and you can start any time. So it's 21 days and you can just let me know when you want to start and it'll start. Um, breathwork is $22 across the board. That price is not changing because it's very fair. But when you buy a ticket to the live class this Thursday, you can get a free bonus class recording of your choosing. And then I've also got three one-hour call spots um, on super duper sale. They're on they're at $199 instead of $699. And 50% of that will be donated as well. All this stuff, all the links, all that stuff are in the newsletter and are at kristenkelp.com right now. So this is my answer to what can I do to move the ball forward? Um, I can have a big sale and together we can donate a shit ton of money to Together Rising. Your answer can be different, but I hope you have an answer. And as you get bigger, as you let your soul escape its muffin top, as you continue to feel deeply and continue to take action, may you know the difference between real and perceived helplessness. May you pay attention even when it hurts. And may you use that hurt to create a better, deeper, more just and loving world. May you know that your efforts make a difference. May you feel that all the way to your toes. And may you get bigger and bigger and bigger energetically for all the days of your life. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next week. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now and we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. 
Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.